0: is so good. Oh, I'll I'll say the next and all the time. God is good. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your house of worship, Father, and worship you from the sincereness of our hearts. We thank you, Father God, that you accepted us for who we were for where we are and who we are at the time, Father God. We thank you that you're able to take our rags, Father God, and turn them into something beautiful. We thank you, Father God, you're able to take the shattered and broken pieces of our lives, Father God, and, and, and craft them into something new. And so, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for that wonderful exchange that you took our sins. It became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in you. Hallelujah. There is no more unfair exchange than that, and you did it because you loved us hallelujah and you wanted a relationship with us just that badly and so father our hearts crave deeper relationship with you and we just bless your name in Jesus name amen amen praise the lord I don't know who that guy was Lisa was talking about but you got to settle for me all right Uh, I'm going to just talk a little bit about the the Lord's Supper. After which we're going to have communion, and we'll have a, a bit of ministry time. Y'all all right with that? Oh, come on, y'all can be a little bit more enthusiastic than that. Alright, we got a, a few in here. I want y'all to, I'm going to be reading out of the, the New King James uh, translation. And I'm going to start in the Old Testament. I want you to go to the book of Exodus chapter 12. I won't take a lot of your time this morning, but The Lord's Supper also known as communion is <laughs> it is so special it is so precious it is so weighty you know it just it moves me every time the significance of it what it represents what it means to to me what it means to us in the faith it is no it is no thing to be taken lightly If you're in Exodus chapter 12, just say amen. And I'm just going to read long passages today. So I hope you like reading the word. All right? So it's not going to be me paraphrasing. Thank you. You know, uh, I'm not going to do a lot of that. I'm just going to read the unadulterated word of God and just let it speak to us. Amen? Starting at the first verse. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Say, a lamb. According to the house of his father. A lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb... Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you will make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water but roasted in fire, his head with his legs and his entrails. Sorry for the rated R version there, I guess. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Continuing on. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leaven bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. I want you to skip on down to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Everybody say lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. Amen? And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. You know when I read something there about that. You know you get the uh, impression here about that verse where it says when the Lord sees the blood the Lord will when the Lord uh, uh, sees the blood on the lentil on the two doorposts he will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. You know that term Passover, it it has a bit of a guardian or a defense uh, 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 connotation to it, all right? In that the Lord is on the vanguard at the houses where the blood was at the doorpost telling the destroyer, not here. These are mine. The blood that was shed was for these to be spared the judgment that is to come. If you don't see anywhere where the blood is on the doorpost and the lintel. You have free reign to take the firstborn, but these are mine, and you will not touch them. It wasn't just a passive kind of idol, all right, the, uh, the destroyer looked on his, looked and saw the blood by himself and just passed it up. The Lord made sure. He says, not on my watch. You do what I say, and only what I give you leave to do. But these people are mine. Amen? I want you to I want you to move on to uh, Mark chapter 14. There's a reason why I started there, but uh, as you're turning uh, Exodus 12 is a is is a prelude to a wonderful deliverance of the people of God. For hundreds of years they were in oppression. The pharaoh and the Egyptian bondage. Treated like property, like animals. Many beaten to death. The promise of God was so far behind, they probably thought they'd never see the fulfillment of God's promise that they would inherit the promised land. And then comes this God named Moses, let of the Lord, to be their deliverer. And through a series of judgments, just increasingly more severe than the first, God began to humble the Pharaoh of Egypt. He gave him an opportunity. He said, let my people go. But Pharaoh stubbornly held on to him and decided, I don't have anything to fear from you. I think I'm a God myself. These people are going nowhere. And God said, well, Cornell's version, God says, that's what you think. Nobody on earth was as mighty as the Pharaoh in that day. Only God could have delivered the people of Israel. And this chapter 12 of Exodus was the final blow that humbled Pharaoh and finally caused him to obey God's command to let my people go. So by God's strong hand, he delivered the people of Israel. And that ceremony that was outlined in Exodus chapter 12 called the Passover ceremony was to foreshadow what Christ would do for us. That lamb that was slain by every household was a foreshadowing of the lamb of God who would be slain for us all. Now, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm just calling us to remembrance of what is. Everybody say the lamb. Where did I tell you all to go? Matthew 14, starting at verse 12. Mark, chapter 14, started, y'all are on it. We start in verse 12 after Judas has agreed to betray the Lord Jesus. And, and please note the significance of the time in which this is happening. All right, Uh, it, it, it is significant. This is during the time where they are having the feast Passover celebration to commemorate what God did in delivering his people out of Egypt. And it is no light thing, and it is of major significance that on this day, the Lord chooses not only to celebrate the Passover, but then. to institute the Lord's Supper. Okay? To me, this is symbolic, and he's going to really state this himself, that just as the lamb remitted the sins of those people of God in Egypt before God brought them out of bondage, Jesus Christ is about to serve as the Lamb of God to remit our sins and bring us out of bondage and bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? Verse 12, now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples. If you read the Luke account, you'll know that was Peter and John that he sent out. He sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room. Furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening he came with the twelve. Now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? He answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. You recall, next Exodus 12, they had to consume the lamb that they slayed. So the lamb now, you know, provided some sustenance as well as shed blood. OK, so he's saying here, this is my body. Take, eat. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They sung a hymn. So do y'all see that? that kind of that that, uh, correlation between what the Lamb of God, the role the Lamb of God played in the deliverance of the people in the Old Testament and how that foreshadowed the Lamb of God being our deliverer today. Amen? So according to Mark 14, which we just read, the Lord's Supper is rooted in the Old Testament ceremony of passover and we have other testimony accounts but uh, john in john 1 verse 29 the next day john saw jesus coming toward him and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world Galatians 1, 3, verse 3 through 5 says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the Lamb of God that was slain for our sins. We thank you, Father God, that, the penalty that was to be bestowed on us, he took voluntarily upon himself. Satisfying the judgment against us and imbuing us with his righteousness. Hallelujah. By grace we are saved through faith. We give you glory and praise, O God. I have I want you i want to finish in first corinthians uh eleven a day, but I have a couple of stories that, if I can find them in this book, I feel are illustrative. first story is called Pardon Through Love. And it reads, During the life of Cromwell, a young soldier committed a grave offense and was condemned to die. The sentence was to be carried out on a certain day at the ringing of the curfew bell. It was the occasion of a double sorrow. It was the occasion of a double sorrow. The soldier was not only very young, He was also engaged to be married to a beautiful girl. This young woman, who loved him dearly, tried in various ways to save his life, but her efforts failed. She even tried to bribe the sexton not to ring the bell, but again, she failed. The hour for the soldier's death drew near. He was brought forth. Everyone waited for the bell to ring, but to the astonishment of all, the bell did not ring. The girl unseen, had climbed to the belfry and seized the tongue of the bell. The bell ringer threw his weight upon the rope, and the great bell reeled to and fro in the tower. The noble girl held on with all her might, swinging with the bell, bruised, battered, and bleeding in her highly perilous position. But the curfew bell did not ring that night. When Cromwell heard the story, he immediately pardoned the guilty man. Surely nothing would be too good for that young fellow to give to the one who loved him so wondrously and who risked her own life to save him. Let me, re, let me restate that. Surely nothing would be too good for that young fellow to give to the one who loved him so wondrously, and who risked her own life to save him. Likewise, Christ's love, as demonstrated by his death on the cross, brings pardon for the guilty. And he died for all, that those who lived should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's Second Corinthians 5, verse 15. And if you'll indulge me, I'll read another story called The Wounded Soldier. On March 15, 1985, Wayne Alderson, a successful labor negotiator from Pittsburgh, appeared on the Today Show. The significance of the date was that it was the 40th anniversary of Alderson's being wounded. He was the first American soldier to cross the Siegfried Line into Germany in World War II. He had a permanent crease in his head from the wound. Asked for his his most important memory of the occasion, Alderson replied that it was a red-headed friend who saved his life that day. Alderson had come face to face with a German soldier. The German threw a grenade at Alderson's feet, and Alderson shot the German. The grenade exploded almost instantly, sending Alderson to the ground, face down in the mud. A nearby German pillbox opened fire in his direction, and he knew that if the grenade had not killed him, the machine gun fire would. But Alderson's red headed friend turned him over so he could breathe and threw himself across his body, shielding him from the deadly fire. I can never forget the person who sacrificed his life to save me, said Alderson, tears in his eyes. I owe everything to him. I can never forget I owe everything to him. God has shown us his love by Christ's death on the cross and we can never forget what he's done. We owe everything to him. Amen. We owe everything to him. And I just want to echo the. Uh, would you give me a tissue, please? I just want to echo the the words of exhortation that went out earlier today. You know, the Lord. Excuse me, I'm a sweater. We're talking about the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, and the heart of our God is whosoever will, let him come. The marriage supper of the Lamb extends an open invitation for whosoever would come. I don't know if everyone in here today has a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you know him, but I pray you will not leave here today. If you don't know him, you will not leave here today. without giving me or someone in this church an opportunity to share him with you, an opportunity to share the gospel, an opportunity to share his love, an opportunity for you to know how much he favors you, how much he loves you, the cost that he paid in his own life, in his own blood. to be able to have relationship with you. And it doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how you've been labeled. It doesn't matter whether you like what you see when you look in the mirror. It doesn't matter what you think about what you have become and how far you've fallen short. The grace of God and the love of God runs much deeper, and it can go much lower (laughs) than you can ever go. And you may not be able to get up to him in your own strength, but that's all right. What Christ did on Calvary's cross, he's able to lift you up, to strengthen your knees. Amen? You come to God as far as you can, and I guarantee you, he'll come the rest of the way. It's a little bit redundant, you may think, but I don't, and I'm preaching, so. Uh, Verse 17, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. I'm I'm just kidding. I don't have that kind of attitude. Verse 17. Now in giving these instructions. I kind of want to park here for a little bit and we'll for about 10 minutes and then we'll get into the communion. But Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating... Each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with this world. Now, that doesn't seem uh, to be very encouraging, but it, but it is to me. It's somber and it's encouraging. Um a couple of things i want to i want to bring out before uh, before i move on but it says what does it mean by whoever partakes of the lord's table in an unworthy manner well i think it alluded to it in the passage the people were not partaking of the lord's supper in a reverent manner before the lord they were not conducting themselves reflective in a manner that was reflective of what the whole ceremony represented okay you can tell those who were a little bit more well off they went ahead and got theirs and left the poor those who were destitute and those who were without to fend for themselves some people would do the would celebrate the supper and other people didn't get a chance to some people were filled with wine other people weren't some people were just flat out hungry And they didn't want to wait. They just decided to eat. So it was about their own selfish desires. It was about their own will. And they were not being reverent, respectful, or loving toward the Lord and toward others. Does that make sense? And think about what the Lord's Supper represents. Think about what we're commemorating here. Okay, We are commemorating the cross on which Jesus said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what, the, what they do. The very people who was crucifying him. The very cross on which that when we were weak and destitute because that, that's really what we were. We were separated from God We were poor spiritually. We were weak, destitute. We did not have the ability to reconcile ourselves with him. So in our destitute and frail spiritual condition, the Lord paid the penalty for our sins and made a way for us to be strengthened in Christ, for us to be in relationship with him, reconciled with him. Amen? So, So how can we commemorate that? And not be loving toward him and not be loving toward him whom he died for. How can we be dismissive of that? How, how, how can we just be, you know, rude and, 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 and how can we have something, how can we know that our brother has something against us and not try to reconcile with that brother? They're sitting in there just, making light of the whole ceremony, unrepentant and irreverent. And I just want to encourage you, as often as you do it, you know, uh, communion time is an, is an opportunity for us to, to, uh, to reflect on the cost Of our salvation. The cost. Jesus came down off the throne and put on dirty flesh. So he could be crucified in that flesh. For you. For you. Jesus allowed himself to be railroaded and taken into custody, beaten beyond recognition, nailed to a cross, pierced, and murdered so that our sins could be remitted. Us poor, destitute, destined for hell in the lake of fire, sails. I dare say that we commemorate three things all at once when we observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, Like I've already said, uh, the cross. Our resulting relationship with God as a result of the cross. And the future event of his return. All of that. All of that is wrapped into this 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 this, this uh, communion, all of that is, and that is heavy. amen that is weighty, and that deserves our reverent focus and attention and that we are fully engaged with a worshipful and reverent attitude toward him we should do it all the time but but the two greatest commandments of love the lord thy god with all thy heart soul mind and strength and love thy neighbor as ourselves Boy, we ought to see that as we're coming to his table because i remember jesus with prostitutes tax collectors wine bibbers drunkards I remember seeing Jesus love a woman who was caught in adultery. You know, how she could be the only one caught in it, I don't know. But but the woman who was caught in adultery, man wanted to judge, but Jesus loved her in a way that compelled her to Turn away from that lifestyle and come to Him. It's amazing what love will do for you, ain't it? I remember Jesus saying to this little tiny man who cheated people out of their money, who was climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus, tell him in front of everybody Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to dine in your house tonight when everybody knew he was an absolute crook. Why did he do that? You know, but he, J- Jesus was concerned with reaching and touching hearts. Not necessarily that people got their just desserts, but that he was able to reach their hearts. And he touched his heart and without even Jesus compelling him to the man just spilled his guts and repented he said I'm giving back everything that I took four times he just repented he responded to the love of the lord amen to so commemorate those three things so i would i would I would encourage you, and I would challenge you. This doesn't just go for the Lord's Supper, but as we're about to have it uh, I want to reiterate those things that will cause us to partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, irreverent attitude towards the lord's Supper, unrepentant heart. Lack of love or respect toward the Lord or those for whom he died. So I'm going to give, I want everyone to close your eyes for a sec. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to just reflect. This is between you and the Lord. I'm certainly nobody's judge here. But the Lord may have convicted you in some way of, of, of some uh, unrepentant sin, something that, you know, you may not have even thought was a big deal. Or This is an opportunity for you to just clear things up with the Lord and just give that to the Lord, acknowledge it for what it is, uh, you know, and repent of that and just receive his forgiveness You know, if you just confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. There's not even a question of if he will, he certainly will. Father God, we thank you for The ability to come boldly before your throne of grace and confess our sins to you, Lord, in faith, knowing full well that you are faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so, Father, by faith, we have confessed our sins to you, Lord, and uh, received your forgiveness, and we are so grateful, hallelujah, that uh, we are in that kind of relationship with you, that we are in right standing with you through Christ Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.